We're going to be uh, continuing on in our Advent series. Advent is a word that means arrival, like the song that we heard, or coming, and we anticipate the coming of Jesus the Messiah. So we've been, we've been kind of holding off on Christmas. We've been saying, yes, we're going to celebrate Christmas, and yes, it's going to explode, and we're going to celebrate, and all the lights on our greenery on the stage are going to come on, and it's going to be a big celebration, but not quite yet. We want to prepare ourselves, and we want to anticipate uh, the coming of the Lord, not just 2,000 years ago into a manger, but the coming of Christ every day into our life and into our world as his kingdom grows and expands. And we want to know, hey, how can we be a part of that? So we're going to look at a couple texts this morning that will continue us on there. I think I got an advent slide up there, Brittany. You can, oh, that's why she didn't advance the slide because I forgot to do my plug for the class. Here it comes. Right now on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Bill is teaching an excellent class where he's uh, basically the Christmas gift that he's giving to the congregation is new songs for us to sing throughout the coming uh, year. And so he's teaching a, a class called Sing for Joy. But starting in January, there are two other class options that I want you to get excited about. One of them is a class on depression and anxiety led by our very own Larry Hanville. He's taught uh, a January class. Um, what was the last one about? Yeah, bereavement uh, and grief, if you've been through something difficult in your life. This one's specifically going to focus on dealing with depression or anxiety. So if that's you, if that's like, yes, I I struggle with that, Um, that's something that I I have dealt with, come to this class. It's going to be informative. If that's not something that you have personal experience with, but you know somebody who is, or you want to understand it better yourself, everybody's welcome to come and be a part of this class. But that starts uh, the first week of January, and the other class is taught by me, and it's called Unoffendable, and it's about anger and how to deal with anger. And uh, I'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. But uh, those are our two 9.30 options before worship on Sunday. So think about, ooh, which one of those classes would I like to be a part of? They'll be January, February. Now my Advent slide. Thanks, Brittany. Uh, okay, so... When I think about coming and I think about the arrival and anticipation of somebody's arrival, I think about this classic character that you may have heard about, and he's got his own theme song, and it goes, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Because who's coming to town? Santa Claus. Yes, he's coming to town. He's got all this inside information somehow about whether or not you've been naughty or nice, and every year we anticipate his arrival, and it's, it's one of those things that when he shows up, it's either going to be a really, really good day for you, or it's going to be a very bad day for you, because as we all know, when Santa Claus comes to town, uh, you are either going to get a present, yay, or you're going to get what? A lump of coal. Whose idea was that? Uh, or If your parents are really busy that year and maybe lost track of time, you might get nothing at all, uh, depending on where you're sitting, where you're standing. Raise your hand if you've ever received a lump of coal on Christmas morning. You have? For reals? Did Ann give it to you? Is that where you got it from? (laughs) Man, okay. That was my understanding growing up. When Santa comes, you get a present or you get coal. And I was like, oh, man. There were some years I thought, I might get coal. I, I asked for this. But I, I don't know. I didn't do so well. But I never, never got coal. And so I don't know if somebody was like, yeah, here comes the coal. Um, my guess is that if you are 
in church this morning, or if you're, you're listening to this sermon, you don't care so much about what Santa thinks about you. You're probably not all that interested in whether or not Santa thinks that you've been naughty or whether or not you've been nice. Uh, my guess is that more likely you are interested uh, in what God thinks about you. If you're the kind of person that listens to a sermon, you are probably the kind of person who is interested in the answer to the question, what does God want? We kind of ask that whenever we open scripture, when we gather together for study. We, and these are good questions to answer. We ask questions like, what does God want? And then what should we do once we understand what that is? What does God want? What should we do about it? The second question is one that people ask themselves pretty much every day across the board. Everybody is constantly asking the question, what should I do? What should I do with my weekend? What should I do this Christmas? What should I do with my finances? We're always asking that question. Some people ask that question to different people and look for answers to that question in different places. Some people, or it's really important for them what their family and friends think. I mean, what should I do? We look for advice from our family and friends. Some people, if they're honest, they ask that question of uh, media and advertisements. You know, what should, I, what should I buy? What should I own? What should I have in order to be accepted in society or to, to not stand out or to stand out? But Christians, we think it is important to ask the question uh, of God. What do you want? And what should we do about it? We should keep those two questions in mind this morning because the text that we're going to listen to will give us answers to those questions. Maybe not uh, all the answers that we could ever want, but we're definitely going to hear answers to these questions. In the first text, we find people asking the second question. What should we do? They hear this convicting message and they go, okay, we're, we're, we're listening. What should we do about it? It's a group of people that ask the question of John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, and he preached a message about changing your heart and preparing yourself for the coming of the Lord. This was just before the start of Jesus' ministry. So John's an adult. Jesus is an adult. His ministry is just about to start. And you got John the Baptist. And here's what he says. Um, listen for this. Uh, the words of John in Luke chapter 3. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Yikes. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Whoa, that's some serious talk. And the people say, okay, what should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share it with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. And then some soldiers came and asked him, and what about us? What should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were uh, waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if maybe John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. With many other words, 
John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Okay, that's our first text. What should we do? The people, they hear about the coming of the Lord, and they say, okay, what are we supposed to do about it? And John pretty much gives them some simple instructions. He says, keep doing what you're doing. Just, if you're a soldier, be a soldier. If you have two shirts, you give them away. You should do what you're doing, but you should remove any obstacle that is keeping the Lord from coming into your midst and from being involved in your life. If you have a lot, you need to share it. If you're in charge of money, don't cheat or don't be greedy. If you're a soldier, don't abuse your power. So do what you're doing, but do it righteously. Do it in a way that honors God. Don't cling to the things that God has determined that he's going to destroy, or else you're going to find yourself on the business end of an axe or a fire. That's why we hear these words of John and we go, man, that's harsh. It's a wonder he had a crowd at all. Because he was straight shooting with these people, and they said, okay, we're, we're listening. What should we do about it? Don't cling to the things that God is going to destroy. It's like, let's say you have an opportunity to go and witness uh, an Olympic archer, somebody who is very good with a bow and arrow. They shoot targets, and it's an amazing thing to see. Let's say you go and you, you watch this person. You probably should not put your hand right over the center of the target, right? That would not be a wise thing to do. If you get to encounter an Olympic archer doing their thing, amazing, impressive demonstration of skill, you probably should not stand in front of the target and lose track of time and start having a side conversation with somebody over here because that's going to be a very bad day for you. It could be a great day because you get to witness this amazing thing. Hooray, look at this skill and talent. But if you're not alert, if you're not ready, then it might be a bad day. That's how it is with God. God has targeted sin and evil, and God has resolutely decided to eliminate sin and anything that is harmful to human life. And the call of John is the call to remove yourself from these things. The Hebrew prophets, the ones who delivered God's messages uh, in the Old Testament books, and um, John was a prophet as well, they, they use this phrase that comes up quite often. It's called the Day of the Lord. They're like, when the day of the Lord comes, this is what will happen. And it refers to a time when God is going to come. He's going to bring justice. He's going to restore his relationship with his people. And the day of the Lord, it might be a really good day for you, or it might be not such a good day for you. And most Israelites, when they heard about the day of the Lord, they got excited. It's like Christmas morning. Yeah, this is going to be great. There's no coal. We're not going to get any coal. But some of the prophets, like Amos, warned the people and reminded the people, don't be so sure. You assume that it's going to be a good day for you, but you maybe better think about it. In Amos chapter 5, I'm just read you two verses from Amos. He, he calls the people out. They're excited about the day of the Lord, and he says, Why, uh, Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness for you, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered a house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. He warns the people that the day of the Lord might not be the kind of day that you think it's going to be. Like if you're excited that Santa is coming because you just assume he's going to give you a present, the words of John, the words of Amos tell us, you better check what list you're on. You may want to check it twice. So when we hear John say that it's good news that the Lord is going to come with an axe and a pitchfork and a fire, you might go, okay. <laughs> I guess that's good news. I might just have to take your word for it here. It might make us a little bit nervous. 
But like the Olympic archer, God is telling us what he's going to do. God calls his shot. God has said, I am going to eliminate these things that harm and threaten my children. He's going to love his people. He's going to reunite with them. And he's going to remove obstacles that get in the way of that. So it's the fork for gathering his children in. And then it's the fire, too, to eliminate the threats and the evil and the dangers. And when the Lord comes with the fork and the fire, uh, it could be a really, really good day for you. Or it could be a really, really bad day for you. It just kind of depends on where you're standing. And this makes people nervous when they think about this. Some people say, like, don't preach that. Don't talk about that. Like, don't acknowledge passages that bring this out because that gives people the wrong impression about God, that God is angry, that God's primary characteristic is rage or wrath or judgment. But it's not. I try... I try to get people to see that it is an expression of God's passion for his children. I might have told you this story before, but like I was at a playground one time, and one of my daughters, there's a lot of them, so I don't remember which one, um, <laughs> she was little, she was walking, but like with a diaper on, and uh, this little kid wasn't watching, somebody else's kid was, wasn't watching what they were doing, and he kept like bumping into her, and like I think knocked her over at one point. So I swoop in, and I, I stiff-arm this kid. Like, it's stranger's kid. I'm kind of like, yep, that's enough. And then I pick up my kid, and I, I keep her safe. Uh, I think that was the right thing to do. <laughs> not that I don't like this kid, but I'm like, hey, 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 like, this is something that's not going to be happening while I'm around. I feel like that's, it's an expression of my love for my children. And in the same way, that's, that's how God is. He says, I'm going to eliminate these things, so don't attach yourself to them. Throughout this series and throughout most of this year, we've encouraged you guys to take uh, a scripture home with you. After Sunday, we want you to take a certain scripture and we want you to read it. And then we want you to write a response prayer to God to help you increase your prayer vocabulary, to help you be in the word, to help us all be in the same scriptures together so that we can encourage each other. And the one from this week is Psalm 103. I want you guys to, uh, to read Psalm 103. And if you have this impression of God that he's just, just mad all the time, and he's frustrated, and he's angry, and he's bringing vengeance, and ah, Psalm 103 kind of corrects that because it talks about praise God for the blessings that he gives. Praise the love of God. And it, 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 it actually cites the God Creed, which is something I preached on not too long ago, this passage from Exodus that says, no, God's primary characteristics are compassion, and graciousness, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness for throughout generations. This is who God is. Psalm 103 will help us see that. This is the God that John knows. This is the God that Jesus knows. And this is the God that we see in Zephaniah. This is the next text that we're going to go to. Zephaniah is another one of those texts. It's, uh, it's, it's three chapters long. It's this prophetic word from, from one of God's messengers. And if you read chapters one and two, you start to go, man, Oh, God's mad. God's bringing the pain. He's going to distribute justice. It's about, I'm going to, this nation has been unfaithful. They've been arrogant, and I'm going to destroy them, and there's going to be nothing left. And you might get the impression that God doesn't care about his people. But you read on, and you get to Zephaniah 3, and there's this message of hope. There's this, the reason I'm doing that is to eliminate the threat and to get the sin and the darkness away from you. And then this is what's going to happen. Listen for the love that God has for his children. That just, Listen in these, in these words for words about God's desire to be close with his people. 
Just, you're going to hear a lot of these, so listen to this. It says, Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and a reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Did you notice the with, the withness language? I couldn't think of a better word, but the withness of God. He wants to be with his people. I'm with you. I will gather you. I will bring you home. So if we ask the question, because we're sermon people, what does God want we get an answer here. God wants to be with his people. God's love is relentless. It just keeps chasing us. It just keeps coming after us. God wants to free us from sin and from fear and from wondering whether or not we're getting a present or coal, whether or not there's a fork or a fire in our future. In the death and the resurrection and the kingship of Jesus Christ, there is freedom offered for all. And it says, be glad and rejoice. The Lord has taken away your punishment. And that's why Christmas is such a big celebration. It's the answer to the questions, what does God want and what is God going to do about it? He wants to be with us. And he's going to come to town so that he can be with his people. In this passage that we saw, you may have noticed there's this past, present, future kind of thing. The Lord has done these things. The Lord is drawing near. The Lord will continue to be with his people. And that's something that we experience too. That's something that Advent reminds us of. There is this faithful track record. There is this present day presence of God that we're living in, but then there's also this unrealized future that we are striving toward. God came in the form of Jesus, the child in the manger, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. In the present sense, he has come in the form of his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that, that like dwells and gathers and works in the church today. And God is coming as he expands his kingdom on earth and eventually will fully restore creation to the new heavens and the new earth. So what does God want? God wants the same thing that he has wanted from the beginning of creation. He wants to be with us. What should we do about it? If we hear John's message, we can do like he advised them to do. Remove any obstacles that are keeping that from happening, that are keeping God from coming into our lives. We can take this message very literally. We can stop being greedy. We can stop cheating. We can stop abusing our power. We can stop resisting the God who wants to be in our lives. Advent is about preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord, and that's one way that we can do that. I hope that when we hear about the great love that God has for his people, that it compels us. It wants to motivate us into action. Because God's longing for his people is mind-blowing. 
his strength that, will, that he was going to use to remove the obstacles from us and the dangers and the threats from our lives. It's comforting. And I hope that we're the kind of people that respond to God's love with our own faithfulness and obedience and joy. The message that I wanted you to hear this morning in the sermon, in the, the songs that we played together, in the songs that we sang with one another, uh, is just know how much you are loved by God. The love that God has for you is incredible. And I want us to respond to that love by following Jesus Christ faithfully. I want us to produce good fruit. So I want to invite you this morning, if you need to take a step in that direction, in following Jesus more faithfully. Maybe that's putting your trust in him in, more, in specific ways. Maybe that's hearing his teachings more clearly and putting them into practice. Maybe if you haven't made a commitment to following Jesus, it's being baptized for the first time, receiving that forgiveness of sins and the, the, the Holy Spirit. Um, if that's where you're at, then come and talk to me because I love to talk about these things. I love to help people along that journey. It's a decision that I made a long time ago, and it's a decision that I make every day. I wake up and say, okay, I'm going to try to be Christ-like. Some days I do okay, some days not so much, um, but it's a journey, and I'm thankful for this church family that we get to make this journey together. So I want to invite you, just come and talk to me. Um, I want to end this morning with another song and another video, lots of music today. Uh, it's another song that I think beautifully brings out this message of the greatness of God's love for us. It's a song called The Boat Song uh, by J.J. Heller. I think we played it at the girls' conference a couple years ago, and uh, so you may recognize it. You may have heard it before, but just listen to the words of this song, and I hope in these lyrics you will hear the love that God has for you and his desire to be with you no matter what. you like.